There are a lot of movie podcasts. Melissa and I are uniquely female, we are uniquely geeky, and we are uniquely drunk. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything particularly unique about that. No, it's a, it's a Venn diagram. Did, right? wait, you, uh, uh, uniquely female, what does that vagina look like? <laughs> <laughs> you have that baby. <laughs> Gestures are always great radio. We have Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. Dear listeners, Melissa here. We have a special treat for you this week. Our first two-part episode, which we recorded with screenwriter, author, and film critic C. Robert Cargill. This week, you will hear the first half, which was recorded live at Convergence 2014 in front of an audience of literally tens of people. Next week, you will hear the second half of this episode, which was recorded a few days later at a friend's house. So even if you were at the Convergence panel, you will have an extra treat coming for you next week. We apologize for the sound quality of this week's episode. We did not get a chance to record directly from the soundboard in the panel room, so you will hear a lot of echo and ambient noise. There are even a couple parts that I cut out because you really couldn't hear what was going on. But I did what I could do to make it listenable. So, without further ado, please enjoy our chat with Cargill. All right, Melissa, take us away. Welcome to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am Melissa, and my co-host is... Wendy! And we are here, recording live, at Convergence 2014! Oh my god, I love you all. This is great. <laughs> and we are here with the writer of Sinister, one of the two writers of Sinister, C. Robert Cargill. And novelist. And novelist. Of Shadows okay. and yes. Queen of the Dark Things, both of which are excellent, says this fantasy reading geek over here. And film critic and comedian and, and Oh, no, you're not a comedian. Uh, you're <laughs> smartass. Professional smartass. Yes. <laughs> Hi, and everybody. What are we drinking this fine evening, Melissa? Well, Cargill brought a lovely bottle of Yamazaki single malt whiskey aged 12 years. I have to admit, I am enjoying this going down my gullet. Yes. It's really good stuff. I'm poor. I tried to find the 18, but the only bottle of 18 in town that anyone knows exists is $80 more than it normally is, and it's normally $150. So I wasn't going to, I'm not going to drop 250 bucks on a bottle of booze. <laughs> but I appreciate that you at least considered it, my friend. That makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Oh, wait, no, that's the whiskey. <laughs> I, I have had the 18, thanks to Cargill, and it is a thing of divinity. It is supply. Oh no, I spilled some. <laughs> Don't worry, I have more. Yeah, there, there is more. There's a full bottle here, which means this can get dangerous. Oh, this really is going to get dangerous fast. Uh, Cargill killed my flask. And it's a good thing we have such a, you know, such a safe padded uh, uh, topic tonight to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> Alcohol couldn't possibly screw any of this up. 
What is our topic this evening? Yes, I uh, ran into Cargill in the hall earlier and suggested a few things. He said, no, 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 no. Well, it was, like, it was like, hey, you want to talk about adaptations? It's like, actually, I'm on a panel tomorrow that's all about sequels and adaptations. So mm -hmm. I don't want anyone who comes to both to have to hear me repeat myself uh, too many times. And, and yeah, we talked about a couple other things. I don't know, I don't know. And then I came up with an idea. You did. What is it? Feminism in film. I love it. <laughs> we figured you would. Well, no, it was, it was one of those things where when I was talking to her, I was like, you know, um, you know, this is, you know, uh, we're, we're at a really kind of critical time. It's, it's very, you know, uh, 2013 was very much the year of the woman in which women's issues came to the forefront in, in you know, all media. You know, whether in politics, whether in media, and um, and there's not really a lot of venues that uh, uh, you know pro-feminism writers like myself can actually do it without seeming like either a white knight or seeming like somebody who's kind of trading on the popular trend to get readers. Yeah, it's true. And, and it, it, you're you have a tough road to hoe. I do feel that for it's so tough for us men these days. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough for male allies to be to be out as allies and not feel like they're trying to either cash in on it or prove their you know worth in some way. But every time you and I get together, invariably one night we spend drinking and discussing slash arguing about feminist issues and whether things are, you know, whether things are misogynistic or not. And, it's and, true. And discussing that. It's um, one of the reasons why I love drinking and arguing with you. Yes. We have a really good time doing both of those things. Without getting mad at each other. No. Even when we get pissed at each other, we're not mad You're at each other. You're still really wrong about the movie Frozen, by the way. They not, not, um, no, not Frozen the Animated. There was this uh, one about people who got stuck on a ski lift. Oh, Frozen. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was called Frozen, but it did not have I, Let It Go. Yeah, you're just telling me that I'm wrong on that one, too, so I like that one. You didn't like getting there? No, yeah, no, but we, we were arguing about yes. um, about the role of the woman in that film, and that I'm like, I'm tired of stupid females. And he's like, there really are women that are that stupid. I said, yes, but why are they always in that, that movie? That wasn't my argument. My argument was no, all three that. of the characters in that movie were stupid, men and women. They were all idiots, and that was kind of the point, and so I couldn't be bothered by an idiot woman when I got two idiot guys sitting on both sides of her. The guys are always dumb. <laughs> That's sexist. Yes. <laughs> That's your white female privilege speaking. I am so fucking privileged. I get to have people tell me what to do all the time. Woo! I don't have to think for myself. Privilege! <laughs> but that was that was our argument about that was probably the most heated argument. You you like she's so dumb. I'm like, they're all dumb. One of them jumps, crazy. <laughs> One of them gets eaten by wolves. How do you get eaten by wolves in this day and age? Well, you don't really. That was the other part of the film. Seriously, well, there, there was about, so many. There's, there was a heap of stupid. Yes. Well, the reason that film offended, like, what was great, we saw it at Nemathon, and everybody's there. In, in their little, and all of the Minnesotans in this one row. It's about people who are trapped on a ski lift in a snowstorm, and they do really stupid shit. Like, the damn fucking girl, she she leaves, she sleeps all night with her hand uncovered. I'm like, you don't do that. It's physically impossible. You know why? Because your hand gets fucking cold and you tuck that shit in because your hand got cold. Oh no, she left it on the metal bar all night in the morning. Oh, it's like frozen to the bar and she has to rip it off. And, oh, it's so gross. And it was like, oh, and all of the Minnesotans are like, fuck you, that's dumb. <laughs> Put your hat on. What are you doing? You put your hat on. Because we were all just offended by the stupidity of this movie so much. I thought it was good. That's because you live in Texas and you don't know cold. I lived in Michigan for a long time. 
Michigan's colder than Minnesota, isn't it? No. No. Wrong. Wrong. Okay. I did see the most. I I have to say, I I did see the most beautiful, kitschy, terrible T-shirt in the airport this weekend. That I uh, on my way in, that I was like, I need to buy that on the way out because I got to wear that because it's a beautiful hipster ironic T-shirt. Like it's it's like because I'm from Austin, where all you know, where where we're all hipster ironic. We're all ironic hipsters, and and it's this beautiful T-shirt that says Minnesota, and it's got a squirrel on it. Said I froze my nuts off. It's <laughs> <laughs> like it's terrible, but I love it. Like, that is a very uniquely your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hit me up. I need more whiskey. He looks so happy to have his nuts frozen off. You're not drinking fast enough for this podcast. I'm just telling you, you're not. You're doing it wrong. Okay, so let's. Talk, when you wanted to talk about feminism in movies, kick us off. What did um, give us narrow that down to what you wanted to talk? about? Well, what I wanted to talk about was just kind of the the blanket problems and, and whatever came up with that. And then I also wanted to, you know, being the positive guy that I am, wanted to talk about our fate. You know, I'm positive about film. <laughs> I know, sir. I wanted to talk about you know our favorite uh, female characters in genre, yeah, and, and 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 focus in on that and talk about you know the great movies where where they got it right, where they made great female characters, and uh, uh, and you know, but I wanted to start off with talking about you know like something we talked about on on the you know something that's that's really big with me right now is is what's been going on with uh, with Marvel and DC and the fact that they're terrified of making a female lead. Uh, or a singular film that is a female superhero, and and personally that that angers me in so many ways. Not just you know not just as you know uh, somebody who wants to see more equality in film, but somebody who as a comic fan is like, why can't I get my Storm movie? Yeah. Why can't I get a movie? You know, there's this great storyline uh, uh, from the end of the Chris Claremont age when uh, Storm goes through the Siege Perilous and um, ends up as a ten year old girl. Uh, uh, and and has completely forgotten her past. She's reborn as a ten year old girl, and that's where she meets Gambit for the first time. That's how Gambit gets introduced uh, to continuities in the storyline, and it's all about her coming back into her powers again because that was something we never got to see in the X Men. When we meet Storm, she is already the goddess of weather, and and this is her rediscovering her powers and rediscovering herself. Storm is one of the um, is is one of two of Marvel's greatest female characters. And, uh, and, and Fox really wants to start milking the X-Men for all they're worth. And what they should be doing is what they're looking at doing over at Sony, which is putting out, you know, they want to put out a Spider-Man movie a year with things from the expanded Spider-Man universe. And it's like, why aren't the X-Men doing that? They're putting out a Wolverine movie and an X-Men movie. You put out a Wolverine movie one year, an X-Men movie another year, and then a movie about a singular X-Men the next year. And Rogue and Storm. Well, but that's just it is, I mean, when you look at what they're doing, um, with Marvel Studios, with the Avengers, and the whole thing they're doing there, they're building such a great universe. And it's confusing, I know, because X-Men is also a Marvel property, but it's not being produced by the same studio, and it drives me nuts. You, you mean the, the studio that brought us Black Widow? <laughs> <laughs> Which, look, look at almost every promo Gestures shot. make great radio. Yeah, no, no, well, we were also filming this as well, but yes. you know, that's, that's, what, that's actually one of those things that's bothered me for, for the last the, the Hawkeye years. Project? Well, well, no, 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 not the Hawkeye, well, kind of, the, in, the, in the terms of the Hawkeye Project, but you see that a lot with, um, there's, you know, we saw it with episode one and two, which bothered me, uh, you know, with the Star Wars movie. Um, Name more. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that needs to go up. But no, you, you find that whenever, even even in genre, even in, you know, even in these films where we have these really great, powerful female characters, 
the men are photographed from the front looking awesome, and the women are photographed from the back looking over their shoulder. And However, I loved the X-Men 3 poster because it was equality, visual equality between Tony and Pepper. And the, although Pepper's pose seems... Iron Man 3, you mean? Yeah, Iron Man 3. Whatever, I'm drunk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> listeners who have listened to this know that I always get it wrong the first time. Anyway, but I love that while her pose seems subservient and that she's sort of leaning on his chest and with her hands on his chest the way that women do, right? Like, like Leia in the Star Wars poster. But she was looking over her shoulder with a face that said, I will kill you if you hurt my man. Yeah. And it was awesome. But that's not that's not the norm, and and this is what we were what we had been talking about earlier was that the Winter Soldier was a movie that was so good and people loved uh, loved it so much that they finally said okay fine we'll listen to everybody we'll give a Black Widow movie so finally we're getting our first female <coughs> superhero movie uh, since Supergirl. I know what oh, the wow. hell it's and after the year that we had it film between Gravity. Hunger Games and Frozen, how can you look me straight in the eye and tell me people don't go see films with women in the lead? Well, and that was the, that was the lesson from the year before. I mean, they, one of the highest grossing movies was uh, uh, the uh, Snow White and the Huntsman. It did it really, really Charlize well at the box Theron. office. I just wanted the movie, I just wanted like Charlize Theron the movie. Look, but that's she's hot. that's you know this is my point though was it was not a great movie. In fact, I feel I feel it's the legend of its generation. I feel that no, I feel that twenty years legend, from now, legend is better than that. It really is. I uh, yeah, you I say you say how to grow up with legends and I'm not having crazy. been a little girl who's going to grow up with that movie being remembering being twelve years old and legend seeing didn't Snow White have what's her toes in it? Kristen Stewart doing her vapid look. I'm acting. No, no, we had Tom Cruise doing. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Remember Tom no, Cruise in that movie? His face is different. His face is different. By the way, that he is the worst. He had great legs in the movie. That is, he had great legs That's the worst Christian, uh, Christian Stewart impression ever. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't know if they're laughing, but I think they see it. Hold on, let me, let, that, that's her, New York. I know what. Here's mine. See? You have to do the, you have to do the snort, and you have to push your hair back. No matter what the problem is, whether your boyfriend is leaving you or whether you're fighting a troll. Here, I got it, I got it, wait. <laughs> there, there. That is, that is, that is Stewart. But see, that. But my point is, is even that movie being as mediocre as it was, or as bad as it was, if you feel that way, still did incredibly well because because women are hungry for seeing genre films. And hey, you know what? We're half the population. Yeah. Uh, did anybody know that? Did, did you know that there are, we are half the population? It's almost like we are equally as deserving. And we have money. Yeah. We can spend. No, us. you know, my husband doesn't give me an allowance. <laughs> well, he does, but for makeup. I know, thank God. Because I can't go out of the house without looking right. No, but it's you know, <laughs> kill that one dead. But it's 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 really it's really kind of hard and. Uh, and it's one of those things where, you know, you, you and you see this across the board. Hollywood, Hollywood, the problem isn't really with Hollywood. The problem is with the audiences, and Hollywood has to interpret the audiences. And finally, they're seeing that the audiences are coming out for this stuff. They, they realize that, oh, hey, the reason why all these movies didn't so well before is they weren't really very good. You know, we didn't really give all these great uh, movies to actresses. We didn't, and no one ever said, hey, you know what? Can Jack Ryan be, you know, Jacqueline Ryan? 
you know, how great would it be if, if Jack well, like, Ryan were a woman? Salt yes. with Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Um, yeah. It wasn't brilliant, but it was a solid action film, and that was supposed to be a male character, and then they went, you know, oh, Angelina Jolie's willing to take the role, and that kind of works. And it does. It works just fine, because, hey, guess what? Women can do anything that a man can do. Well, and, and we finally, and a couple things more. And, and I feel like it this summer we finally we finally hit our groove because we have two two movies that have both female and male leads like equally that are equally as badass. Which uh, Winter Soldier mm-hmm. and Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow was super awesome. It was yes. super awesome. Did you see this film? And, yeah. and you walk out going, "Hey, Tom Cruise was good, but oh my god, Emily Blunt was yeah, awesome. Emily Blunt was the shit. She's and she's always. I'm surprised they're not seeing more cosplay. Uh, well, it be, I, I, I'm not because nobody saw it. Well, they should have. Well, I saw it. It's because it had the shittiest trailer ever. It, the trailer was awful. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Trailers. The trailer is really. You, me, Jess and I watched it six times, trying to get into it because everyone kept telling us it's good, and we're like, this movie doesn't look interesting at all because they held too much back from the trailer. They don't hint at what well, the movie really is. Well, that's the problem. That is the problem with the trailer, isn't it? Right? It's either they give you too much, and you're like, well, that blew it. Or they don't give you enough to get you interested. But the yeah. but the thing with the trailer is they don't even get the tone right. Yeah. No, they don't. It, that movie it, is it, fucking hilarious. Too. Yeah. When it, he it rolls under the truck. When he rolls under the truck, he makes this squeaky noise. <laughs> <laughs> Just a quick quick uh, show of hands. Uh, who hasn't seen this movie yet? You guys all need to go out. Yes. And see it's this. super yeah. awesome. It it's really is. Very good. I know. The thing is, Tom Cruise is making all these action movies right now to try to prove that he's not aging. We know this, right? But this one's actually good. It's based on a really good Japanese anime. What was fun was I actually saw it with a teenage boy who had read the Japanese anime, and after the film, we sat down, and we're, I, we were just like, tell us about the anime. How did it go? What did you think? Did it compare well? And he's like, well, it was really different, but really the choices they made were good choices for a movie, and they really clarified some things. And Like in the comic book, they'd spend a lot of time like trying to explain explain why it's happening and we're, and we're like yeah in a movie you don't need to explain I just believe you yeah fine this is the premise let's just move on but that but that leads into the, the reason I brought that up is that leads into the the problem that Hollywood has in which they said well audiences are going to want to watch a movie about a Japanese guy and a Japanese woman and the, the Japanese yeah. are fighting this so can we make them white and that's invariably because what happens white is better and and that's where you get the, the things where they'll get scripts it's like the script is great but could it be a guy instead of a girl and and you have that in Hollywood and now I what's interesting is I actually had a conversation with Cargill because Cargill is going to be writing Sinister 2 the sequel to this film which Ooh. if you haven't seen Sinister it's a really smart horror film I really enjoy it I'm a, I'm a horror aficionado you. Um, you, you don't like Frozen though but that's okay that's because yeah. Frozen is shit yeah. <laughs> you didn't like Frozen either suck it so, um, but we were talking, when he told me that he had, that they, he had been signed to do Sinister 2, we were talking, I'm like, can we have a woman, please, my friend, please, can we finally have a woman? And what I really appreciated was we had this conversation, and he's like, well, the thing is that I have a limited number of roles that play a, sen- a play a really integral part. I mean, I can put women in all the supporting parts, but then suddenly I'm just putting women in there to put women in there, and then you get sort of castigated for, oh, look, yeah, you put women in there, but they're not doing anything. Eh, fair point, right? What are you gonna do? And he's like, and there's one role that would be excellent for a woman, except that's the role that dies. 
And so then I'm putting a woman in there, and then she dies, and then I get castigated because I only put a smart woman in there just to kill her, and that means that I'm an asshole. And I'm like, that's also a real problem. So there is also the problem when you're a storyteller of when you recognize that you want gender equity, that some of the structures we have in place culturally make it hard to put a woman in there because when, even when you put her in there, you're gonna that character is going to naturally die or do something that then, oh, now you're an asshole because you did that to a woman, fucker. And it's and it's weird and and I got uh, I got knocked around on my first novel for that by by a pair of writers who were like there just aren't enough women roles in this in this book you know and one person said I just chalk it up to to uh, Cargill being an amateur writer and being a first time writer and I'm like you motherfucker <laughs> uh, but no but the thing was is the reason and and uh, we had a conversation about my first book in this where it was the the story. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she's got drunk, she's taking her clothes off. Nudity is great radio. I was not nude. Yeah. <laughs> but so, so I, uh, you know. Use your powers for good, Brian. Use your powers for good. In, in, in my first book, the, the main characters have to be male because I needed them both to be the same sex because the story is about friendship. And anytime you put opposite sexes in a story about friendship, the audience, they're going to fall in love, right? Invariably, the audience believes they're going to fall in love. But if I make them both women, then my story becomes a rape story. And it becomes, uh, it, it takes on a very different tone. And, and so I couldn't do that, but I had, had planned all these great female characters for the second book. And, uh, and, and so that was the conversation we, we had later was she had read the book. And she's like, there are girls in it. There are. There are really great girls. And she liked them, so I was happy. So I was like, okay. I'm By the way, um, you might enjoy this. So I'm creating a fringe festival show where the right, the dance, I'm, it's a dance show, and all of the dancers are writers. So they're not dancers. And I'm having to create dances for these people who aren't dancers. But one of the one of the pieces I'm creating was based on your Yerlian and Chi. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't tell me that yet. I hadn't told you that yet. The idea of a character of a muse, of an instigator, of somebody who brings out the best in you and yet what in the process of bringing out the best in you, they kill you, right? Because they pull out all that's great in you and they cause you to flame out and die really quickly. This is a huge trope in like artist literature and like, oh look, I'm dying of consumption and all the all yeah. shit, right? And so I truly was thinking of your character when I was creating this dance for a couple of my writers. But that was that led to the other problem that I had in the book because uh, I I saw this problem very early on and, and I pulled uh, I sat down with my wife and I said how do I how do I write a book and tell a story like this without you know the the female characters in the book just being you know perceived as as monsters or vicious and 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 people taking you know reading that into the book and my wife was just like you know it's it's really tough the thing is you just have to make sure you give them you know you 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 treat them with special care and make sure that you give them certain motivations that that people who read into it will definitely see that they're there. And so I did that and only to find out that most book reviewers actually do basically a cursory read and don't spend any time thinking about the book after the fact. And so it was one of those things where it's like, wow, you know, the only, you know, uh, you know, in my first book, the, the whole point of the book is that all of these people can't fight their own natures, and the only person who's strong enough to fight their own nature is one of the female characters in the book. And the, 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 the feminist reviewers didn't care about that, that, that the, the only person who actually can fight her own nature is a woman. That's, we'll write that off. The fact that she was, you know, a, a, an essence-sucking vampire, essentially, 
and she was a woman, well, that's sexist. And, and so yeah, it's... Yeah, nah, it was all good. What I loved about that character was she truly loved. Yeah. And she didn't know what her own power was, and it was tragic. It was beautiful. It was very Romeo and Juliet. I liked it a lot. I was, I was down with that. I was down with that. You were, I, but, but the reviewers. Well, I, I, I clearly need to be a reviewer so I can tell them to shut up and sit down, because I like to tell people to shut up and sit down. I find it interesting that the prejudice, prejudices that um, came along with um, having this dearth of good female characters for so long in the first place is now being the baggage that is preventing us from doing good female characters now. Yeah, it's it's and that's one of the that's one of the toughest parts about this this whole thing that we're dealing with right now is that and and, and it was something that I had to struggle with for a long time. I uh, you know I always thought of myself as, as something of a feminist. And I had a I had a movie that completely broke me uh, 15 years ago. It's this this film I would not recommend it, but it's called Besenois, and. Uh, it Bezen is. Bezenois, that's French for kiss me. No, it's not. Mm. Bezen, Bezen. Wrong a, verb. Yes. Oh, I might be spelling it wrong in my head, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a little more offensive Easy. than that. Easy. Um, oh, you mean fuck me? Yes. No, okay. and, it's, and it's essentially, it's a French Thelma and Louise in which um, these two women who are both raped and or treated terribly in society go on a killing spree. And uh, and the thing about the movie is it has this really amazingly, uh, these two amazingly profound scenes. And what they did is, and the reason why I can't recommend it is because they shot it with, um, uh, they used two French porn stars. And they have rape scenes that include penetration. And it's the most un, uh, hard to watch thing you've ever seen in your life. It's really, it's really brutal. It's really uncomfortable, which is the point. But they have these two amazing scenes. And one of them is which they're in a casino and they lure, uh, this you know balding middle-aged guy up to their hotel room to fuck, and uh, he goes up to the room, and you know uh, things happen, and essentially they get into a situation where they put a gun to his head, and um, uh, and they're going to kill him, and they tell him they're going to kill him. He's like, why? And it's like because uh, because of who you are and what you are, and he's like, what's that? It's like you didn't think you didn't think twice about going up to a room with two strangers because you didn't think they were a threat. And, and they kill him. And then uh, later on in the movie, there's this scene where you know they're being they're they're on the run. They're they're famous, you know, notorious criminals right now, and they're um, uh, uh, they're shacking up with. They're staying with someone who um, is putting them up for the night because he's heard the legend of them. He's 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 fascinated by them, and and they're they're staying with him. And there's this scene where he's flirting with one of them, and she just goes, "Stop, stop. You you've been very kind to me." I'm not going to do anything to you, but you think that uh, you can seduce me and that you're safe and that I'm not a threat to you at all. And I'm telling you now, if you flirt with me one more time, I'm going to kill you. And and it just it, and it just cuts it off. And that whole movie just made me feel just nasty and icky. And I took a shower when I got home, and I couldn't touch my wife for like three days. It's like I'm a man. And this is terrible. And it was. But it, you should feel some shame. It was. It was. But it was. It was one of those things that it pointed out that no matter what I thought. They were right. I, at that point in my life, I didn't see a woman as a threat. That if a woman at you know at a bar had had seduced me and asked me to come back to her place, I wouldn't think twice about it. And what is she going to do to me? I'm fine. Yeah, I, I'm bigger than her. I well, can... Louis C.K.'s bit about you know the most dangerous thing to a woman is men, <laughs> you know, and the most dangerous thing to a man is heart disease. And he's like, <laughs> and she's like, oh, where are we going? Oh, to your death, probably. Statistically, if you if you've never seen Louis C.K. bit, it's very hilarious and very 
biting and it will make you cry a little bit in its truth. Um, but but so, so to follow that up, so I, I you know, after that, and, and I have that profound moment, uh, okay. Why am I the only one asking for more whiskey? <laughs> uh, because, because this one, no, because I have whiskey here, I will share. I have whiskey here, you can have some of mine. It's because, good genders, it's good stuff. It's because this bottle was mostly full when Carville and I were in our previous panel. Yes. <laughs> what, what panel? Uh, movies, year, movies Year in Review. Oh, that's right, I didn't get to go to that one. If what one movie would you most recommend that people didn't see? Um, I had a few, but uh, I, I suggested You're Next. Oh, I just yes. saw it. It was super awesome. Uh-huh. Oh my God. You, know you know what was awesome? My mom, yeah. right there, went to go rent that at the video theater <laughs> and at um, Video Universe in Robinsdale, which is the best video store in the world. And she's like, I want to rent your next. And the, the cute young man behind the counter is like, are you sure? <laughs> You're older, and I find it questionable that you would want to see this movie. And I was like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm down with this. The shit. answer should have been, I'm older. I'm clearly at a video store. Um. <laughs> so then we watched it. It was totally the bomb. I yeah, totally loved it. Great. But but speaking of your next, I think that's a really interesting. Yes. Well, we'll talk, let's talk about her when we get to the next section. Yeah. Okay. But but I, I have to finish this point because yeah. this, okay, this is point. leading this is leading up to an important point because I walked you know after after going to that movie I'm like da da I'm enlightened and I was like I am an enlightened man now. And, no, you're not. Yeah, well, no, that's the point. <laughs> no, I was not. No, it was, but it was one of those things where uh, it's like, aha, I've had the revelation. And really, what, what really, uh, really impacted me was this great, uh, there's this great author uh, who's up and coming right now named Chuck Wendig. I don't know if any of you read him. He's fantastic. And he wrote this great three-part series on um, the role of men in feminism and trying to find where we belong. And, and he's the one that, you know, that really kind of started, you know, getting me thinking about a lot of the undercurrents, like about the fact that we have to do something, but what do we do? You know, what can we do that, uh, that doesn't come across as, as being in any way, um, wow, you are just, your, your phone is going off. Oh, I'm popular. <laughs> uh, yeah, but how do we, how do we do this without, you know, coming across as like we're white knights or you need our help or whatever, but there's a, a certain element that we have to be involved in order to change society as a whole. Yeah. And, and, and that was where, you know, Chuck and I sat down and talked about it last year at, uh, uh, at, at, at World Sci-Fi Fantasy. And that's where it really kind of dawned on me that the, the, the reason why, you know, you know, one of the biggest problems we have is men, we men look around and we go, um, you know, women keep talking about these problems. They keep talking about being treated in certain ways and being treated badly. And we don't see it. And, and we don't see it nearly as, you know, it happens, but not as often as women are talking about it. And, no, and, no, no, never as often as women are talking about it. It can't be that often. Well, but the, but the question is, is why aren't we seeing it? And because you don't. No, no well, but I figured out why. Hmm? What's and, your thought? Well, the thought, and, and that's where it really kind of dawned on me and, and where I realized we needed to start working on this, is the fact that, that guys like me, the minute we, we spend any time with a guy who treats a woman in any lesser way, it's like, oh, this guy's a douchebag, I don't want to spend any time with him. So we don't surround ourselves with guys who believe this stuff, so we don't see it. We, we insulate self-segregate self to people who are more like-minded, and so we don't see the shit that's really going bad. And so all the guy, but, at, but see, the, the problem comes oh, in. The, hi, the whiskey just did. Yes. <laughs> so, you all look a lot prettier now. <laughs> so then we, what we run into is- I run, feel good. Yes, I'm like, no, I'm feeling myself, and I 
So then we you run, should feel me active. <laughs> we run into the problem of the men's rights activists. Oh, shut your whore mouth. I did say the problem. Yeah, because it's a problem. Oh, it's a problem. Shut your whore mouth and just shut up and sit down. You don't know what you're talking about, and you're pissing me off. And seriously. Oh, God. Was that your impression of the men's right activist? <laughs> or was that for me? I, 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 I actually can't tell and, anymore. Every I'm once in a while, sure. I am stupid and I read the comments. No. Oh, oh, my God. Well, but, but there, was, there was, wait, there was the um, always a woman. And it was the one with the always ad where they say run like a girl and then everybody runs like a fucking ridiculous fucker. And I'm a derby girl, and when I run at you, you're going to know that I'm going to hit you with my shoulder, and it's going to at least hurt a little bit, right? It might hurt more if, like, Skinny does it, she's got more mass, right? But And the whole point of the ad was that like a girl is a derogative. And I pointed, when I was a teacher of seventh graders, I pointed this out incessantly. Why is it the worst insult you can deliver is to call someone a girl? You call them a bitch. You tell them they're a pussy. This is a problem. Why is it the worst thing you can call somebody is a girl? It's not. It's, the, it's, it's like the second worst. What's the worst? Retard. Uh, no, actually, what is, no, honestly, I dealt with seventh graders, and what would and piss, that's, by the what way, would that's, piss that's, a seventh grade male off more than retard was bitch. You're a little bitch, and they would that would cause them to start a fight in the hallway and get themselves suspended. I'm not kidding. It was worse than being stupid. It was worse than being congenitally stupid. You're a girl. Oh fuck you! I'm gonna take your shit down. It pissed me right the fuck off. And then I stupidly clicked on the comments of this always video and I'm like, I hate all mankind. No, honey, don't kiss me right now. You have a penis. <laughs> and that means you're an asshole. Uh, mm. Up your butt, my finger, right there, right there. We have, a, we have a question of the day. <laughs> <laughs> the question is for Wendy. Can you tell us how you really <laughs> One of, the, one of the problems men have, why you mention all of these things, and it's because men uh, are, tra we're trained from birth that ma our masculinity matters. And that masculinity is, is a very large part of our identity. And we run into this with the bronies. Well, and the problem well, being well, that uh, hold on. You, confidence you is sexy, and we are taught that. And I'm, then there's this crossover of masculinity and confidence. But we Sorry, have, here, we have, here we have a section of geekdom that we all exclude from geekdom. We have a brony in the audience. We joke about. Do we have a brony? That's right there. Oh, awesome. Awesome. I love him. You know, that's the most adorable brony. The, the thing is, is that we, we really, we, we miss, we, we, they become, you know, our, uh, um, you know, they, they've become like the lowest rung of geekdom and everybody jokes about them. Everybody keeps no, 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 around. No, 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 no. The furries are the lowest rung. No. Well, <laughs> no what, wait, Thanks, what are the furries that have sex with love you too, people in costumes? Uh, yippers. No, wait, there's a word for it. What yipping. It? Yipping. It is yipping? Yes, it's yipping. Okay. But, but the thing is, is, the, the thing is, is we have this, we have this serious problem, not only in geekdom, but in society, that we have this problem with men being interested in something that is feminine. And, and that well, is that's not allowed. What, what the hell? Why would you do that? 
Because it's awesome. Have you watched My Little Pony? It's super duper cute. It really is. But but the thing is, is that, you know, we, we even as we talk about how everything, you know, how we need this equality, even, even you know, this, even a con like Convergence where we, we're very much a con that's about, you know, we're, we're about where all the sexes and colors Whatever and creeds come like, together dude. to celebrate what we love and to also make fun of bronies. And we do. And, and, it's, and, and it's one of those I things. I have never made fun of a brony. I want to make that clear. I have, I have run into, I, I can't count how many brony jokes I've already heard this weekend and we're on day two. <laughs> yeah, because it's, because they're the, they're the kicking boys of, of, of geekdom because our society looks down on any, you know, we, we, we celebrate girls who love boy stuff. You know, that's yeah, hot. Yeah, Who didn't, what boy didn't grow up in love with a When a woman is kick-ass and can totally hurt me, that's hot. But when a guy wants to uh, deal with something that's pink or purple or pony related, you know, it's like, ooh, oh, you're you're one of those creepy ones. And we, you know, we joke about clop-clop because let's face it, clop-clop is kind of wrong in several different ways. <laughs> But but we we put all the all of the My Little Pony bands together with Clop Clop as if it's part of everything. Oh oh, somebody's saying I don't know what Clop Clop is. Is that what your question is in the bag? Uh, no no Clop Clop is a form of porn which involves My Little Pony. Did you Yeah, it's clopping. It's clopping. It's, it's clopping. Yeah, get it right, man. Uh, <laughs> The website that I'm familiar with is the subreddit on Reddit r slash clop clop. And it's referred to as clop clop. Oh, oh, if you want to mess with somebody, I, I, I have a lot of friends who are professional comedians. I'll text them that and they'll click it. And then I get the most wonderful stuff back. Am I the drunkest person on this panel? Yes. <laughs> well, I once I once got an amazing late night text from Michael Ian Black, who was like, "All right, that was fucked up." <laughs> you should not be. And Why are is, you filling my glass? <laughs> you showed me the glass. No, you need to drink more. Oh, you finished off my flask last night. I am quite aware of that. Okay. Anyway. But anyhow, right. so my, my point is, yes. my point is, we have We're to. We're not. By the way, FYI, we are not normally this serious on Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Oh. Normally, there's a lot more snorting, <laughs> and um, there's a lot of beeping, beep, as we change subjects randomly, well, and we cut out the part where I'm slurring. Well, we can. Well, let's let's wrap this part up so we can get into the the goopier part of it. But yeah. Uh, okay. 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 Yeah, but yeah, we, we only have fifteen minutes left. Yeah. So. There's something I I brought up on a previous panel, which was the idea that you should call out people when they're doing something that offends you because our culture really doesn't want to engage. We're like, oh, mm, you're being kind of an asshole, so I'll walk away. And there is value in trying to figure out a way to tell people. Not in a way that's dickish, not in a way that makes them defensive, but just what you just did wasn't cool. Right? Because that's why we do the things we do. We do the things we do to gain social stature, to look good in the eyes of our peers. So how can we let them know what you just did actually lowered your social value to me? And I would prefer you not to do those things in the future because if you keep doing that, soon you will have no social value to me and I will not think you are cool. And what I liked was just the dude 
not cool. Yeah. No, and that's exactly, and that's Dude, that, that was where, cool. that was exactly where I was was going was that you know the, where where the war needs to be won is we have these we have these extremist tumbler, extremist tumbler tumbler feminists on one side and the men's rights guys on the other side and those are the people who are. Who are doing all the talking, and really, where this war needs to be won it's is yeah, guys. It's it's guys like me who just need to when 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 guys around us do this shit, we have to say something. Well, no, no, I disagree. No, but no, because this is this is what I just saw. No, we talked about this when you double down, when you shame them, they double down and they don't learn anything. Well, what you need to do is make it very casual and let them know what you just did reduced your social cash. When, when I was when I was in high school. Oh wait, Melissa wants oh, to pass. Oh, no, I mean, to well, I think different people respond to different things. <coughs> and I think you need to I respond to Yeah. Well, my like, some some people are the you have to be nice in the right direction and some people just need to say no stop it right now but the, the thing is is you know I, I I've seen this, this really I've now. seen this in my own lifetime <laughs> you know when I was when I was 16 my best friend came out of the closet and uh, and and he came out where you know at a, a, a Texas football school and my best friend comes out and uh, wow you are done <laughs> And my parents are very, very Catholic. The shenanigans, people. I really picked the wrong topic tonight. <laughs> no, I'm down with this shit, clearly. What are you talking about? Keep going, keep going, I love you. You know I love you, man. Well, no. So, so what, you know, um, my parents, my parents had issues with. Don't judge me. I'm judging you. Well, I'm not judging you on your own turf, man. You are stealing focus. <laughs> <laughs> not cool, Weedy. I know. I'm so sorry. Go, go. You're on. You're on. Yeah, no, please. My parents are very Catholic, and uh, they didn't like me. <laughs> I was spending time with uh, with uh, a guy who was gay, and then when he turned 21, he had met the guy of his dreams. He decided he wanted to get married, and he asked me to be his best man. And I was like, "Of course, I'll be your best man." It's you know, I don't care if it's not a legal wedding. You love this guy. He loves you. I'm going to be there for you. And my parents are like, "No, you're not." And they're like, "You cannot abide by this. You're a Christian." You cannot, you know, I'm like, well, but Jesus said, you know, love the sinner. And he goes, love the sinner, hate the sin. And by being there, you're 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 acknowledging the sin. And, you know, I tried quoting Timothy to them, uh, but they, they wouldn't have to. Uh, there's a great, great line. Cargill is a fascinating personality. He and I get into a lot of arguments about a lot of things. Yeah, but anyhow, point is, is that, you know, uh, I told them, you know, I love you guys, but fuck off. I'm going to be there for my best friend. And, and I stood by him, and it was a wonderful ceremony. It was a great day. And that was back in 96. And my parents, you know, were part of that whole kind of anti-gay movement. They never marched. They were never those assholes. And they never treated people rudely. But they were like, oh, I think he was gay. You know, it was one of those things afterwards. But with everything that's happened over the last 20 years, my parents have completely come around and changed their opinion. And they're like, well, it's against God, but I can't treat them any differently. It's their choice. If that's who they are, that's who they are, and we have to love them. And, and it's, but it was 20 years of shaming people for treating you know, uh, uh, gay, uh, uh, the gay culture as being something radically different and abhorrent that finally um, they were just shamed into it. And they, you know, that for years they would be like, oh, I'm not allowed to say anything. And finally they just, they finally came around and realized, oh, hey. And my mom last year uh, when she came to visit apologized to me 
for you know uh, you know you some eighteen years later she's like she said oh so how's Chris is is he still married and I'm like yeah actually they're very happy they're awesome they're one of my only high school friends that got married after you know they got married just after high school who's still together he's one of the longest relationships I know and she's like that's so great to hear and she's like I'm really sorry you know I don't know if you remember this and I'm like. <laughs> Part where you tried to tell me not to do something and forbid me, I yeah. would never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, she. Funny how that stuck in my brain. But brain. she came up and she apologized. She said I was wrong, and and I. So I think that what we've just done with the gay culture and completely raised an entire generation of millennials who accept uh, homosexuality as part of the culture and as as an integral part it, of the culture, not an avatar. That's what needs to happen for the next twenty years of feminism. And that we do need and to shame people, and that we will have these old guys who, you know, 30 years from now are still going to be misogynistic assholes, but are going to be referred to as the misogynistic old man, while we have guys and girls who who, who have some semblance of equality. Way, way back, um, Tim Wick and I were talking about presidential campaigns and shit. And, I, and this was before Hillary, and it was before Barack Obama, and I told him, we would have a black president before we ever had a female president. Mm -hmm. And he's like, really? I don't buy that. I feel like a white female would have more cachet than a black Yeah, he doesn't male. believe in God either, and God exists, so you know. You know that's where you're wrong, my friends. We get um, I'm just white. But I pointed, yeah, you really want me. You just like to watch me like punch randomly. I do. Um, I really do. But the thing is, um, I pointed out to him, no, because men will always be more comfortable with men, no matter what color, than they will be with a woman, no matter what color. And so a black man, a gay man, is still more acceptable and more valid than any flavor of female any flavor of female. And that's why the gay rights movement is now making strides, and yet we still don't pay women the same that we pay men. So, so let's make- Are you shitting me? Are you fucking fisting me with this shit? <laughs> a, line, a line created by a woman. <laughs> in Austin, Texas, in Austin, Texas, a waitress. Yeah. So, so now that we've you know brought down the heavy on you, let's make this a little fun. Let's talk about awesome female characters. Let's talk about our, our favorite awesome female characters. Well, I'll start and I'll I'll steal from all of you because you're not going to get to talk about her. But I love Ripley so yeah. much. Oh, well, of course. You know, which is obvious, but seriously. She is so broken inside, especially in Aliens 2. That's where she's really deeply broken about missing her child and about the life that was stolen from her. And it's what makes her so tragic and so beautiful. I love her so much. And she's so, she's not like one of those women who is always the best at everything. She's just a woman who's like, no, let's just get the shit done. I don't, I, I don't need to be the best. I don't need you to acknowledge it. I don't need to take charge except for the part where you're doing it wrong. Shut up, sit down, let me take care of this. And that's what I love. And she has a cat. And she's a cat. And you know, and here's, and here's, and here's, cats. here's the interesting part about that movie. The, the, the reason, you know, uh, you know, uh, the reason there's a cat is because Ripley, uh, Ridley Scott knew that he needed to have the damsel in distress character, but so he couldn't have Ripley saving another woman uh, because that would just, you know, uh, it would it would kind of cancel each other out. So we had to put in a cat so that we had someone for Ripley to save uh, that wouldn't offend 1979 audiences. And so Ripley saves a cat. A pussy. <laughs> what? <laughs> 
It's like she saved a woman, only it was furry. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Strike that, reverse. No, that didn't make it better. It didn't make it better. Wow. Uh, um, I'll, I'll go next. You know, one of my favorites is from The Professional. Oh, yeah. Talk about great characters and talk about one of those great, you know, Luke Besson, Luke Besson does does amazingly great female characters some of the times. Um, and this is one of his great examples in which uh, it's one of those characters where she's a woman, but he doesn't ever play up the weakness of her being a woman. The weakness in her character is simply her age, and she's much more powerful than her age. And uh, we wouldn't have a hit girl if it weren't for... Uh, God, what was her name? Oh. In- Matilda. Yeah, Matilda. If it weren't for Matilda, we oh, wouldn't have... Oh, Hit Girl is the shit. Hit Girl is the shit. You have not seen... Um, Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass, sorry. Um, my nose is down now. All right, you have not seen Kick-Ass. And what's so funny is that, that that actor, who I very much enjoyed in Kick-Ass, is a complete nonity in Godzilla. What the hell? I didn't even realize it was the same actor. He was so bland in Godzilla. Yeah. I have complained about him at least four separate times today on four different panels. I know, right? And yet he was so awesome and kick-ass. Why couldn't he bring that shit? But 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 Hit Girl is the star of that movie. Chloe Grace yeah. Moretz, the, the awesomest ever. And here's and here's here, here's how awesome she is. Um, when they put out they put out a comic book of her. Uh, you know, just Hit Girl, the comic book. And people started texting me about it, and it's like, oh, hey, I'm going to read this comic book because you suggested it. And I was like, the hell are you talking about? And then I found out that they had taken a quote from my review of the Kick-Ass movie saying, uh, Hit Girl is, you know, superlative, superlative, superlative. Because uh, she is. Yeah, because she is. I want to dress my little daughter in like and, Hit Girl. And so... Um, Honey, don't you want to wear purple spandex and cape? They took that quote... And they put it on the back of a new Hit Girl comic that I'd never read. And so there's this big thing Ooh. written by C. Robert Cargill, Massimo Romani, Cool News, with this quote. And I was like, that's douchey. It's on a Hit Girl comic. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm down. You know what? And I went out and I bought the comic and I'm like, comic's good. I approve. Okay. I approve. So I'm like down. But it was like the very fact that it was about Hit Girl. I was like, she really, she's an awesome character, and then the comic was was good. Okay, so well, listen, like, you have been remarkably silent on this podcast. <laughs> you just been over there drinking a wine. I have because Yamazaki is still delicious. Yamazaki. She's just been over there like, yes. "Fuck you all! You can carry the weight. I'm drinking the booze." <laughs> I'm just making more space for you guys to talk for the moment. I can't help it. Did you taste this? It's so good. I told you, you, and the this is just a twelve. The eighteen is even better than this. The twelve is amazing. So, um... <laughs> is she licking my bottle? Is that what's happening? I'm barking it like a cat. Yeah, yep. That, that's a thing that's happening. All right, so... Oh, shut up. Worst things give us, give, us, give us a favorite female in film. Clarice Starling. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Until 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 the last forty pages of the third book. Yes, yes. and fuck that shit. Yes. No, 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 no. Let's just talk about the movie. Let's just talk about the movie. Yeah, just silence, silence, silence of the lambs. Yeah, that is the shit. Yeah, yeah, and I, I love that she is just a competent female <clears throat> character, and that you do see some of the trials that she goes through just being a woman in that job. <laughs> But, you know, she just kind of, she endures it and is just plain good at her job. She just, 
She's just good yeah. at it. Yeah. And there's and a lot of she's not super I mean she's not like the super exceptional person. And that's, person. She and that's is, what I she is very is because so often it is presented as a woman needs to be exceptional to even achieve parity yeah. with a man. She's just fucking good at her job. Yeah, and I, I find it very, the, the concept of the uh, strong female character is becoming very fascinating to me because I'm starting to believe that it's kind of a crutch. It is it, sometimes. Because you get, I've seen articles online call it the Trinity Syndrome, where yeah. I, what is a strong female character? Uh, is Trinity a strong female character? And I don't really think so because while she can beat people up, it, she doesn't really have any agency in the story, and she it essentially winds up being a gift to the male character. But as we were discussing, yeah. that is a that is a standard character trope that happens on both sides because because the movie the animated Frozen has that as well. That's right. I was just going to bring up one of my favorite female characters right now is Princess Anna, and what I like about her is that she is quirky. She is socially awkward. She doesn't really know what she's doing, but she has at her core a very strong sense of loyalty to what is true. And so I have a five-year-old daughter, which means I, when I watch these fucking princess movies that my daughter is completely <laughs> attracted to, I have to look at them and like, so she's gonna be at the masquerade tomorrow modeling a Cinderella dress. I'm not joking. I hate the Disney Cinderella movie with such a passion I cannot even tell you. And way, way back, the reason my daughter got onto Disney princesses is my husband was like, I let her watch Sleeping Beauty because we own it. The reason we own it is I can appreciate the beauty of the artwork as a female who is adult and who can ignore all the rest of that shit. Right? And he let her watch it. I'm like, why would you let her watch that? Oh my God. And suddenly she's into princesses, and I'm like, oh, jeez, God damn. And she's into princesses, and I'm working with it. It's fine. It's fine. I used to be a girly girl. You don't believe me, but it's true. Um, so now what I'm trying to do is make sure she never sees Cinderella. Oh, we are out of time. And she's never seen Snow White. Why are we out of time? Because it is 11 o'clock and I have to set up the uh, Killer Bees improperly. You totally have to. So, okay. so before we get out, I have to say Let's two We have to have closing remarks because my husband bitches when we don't have closing remarks. I have two words I need to say in terms of amazing female characters. Mm -hmm. Arya Stark. Done. Mic drop. Done. Mic drop. Boom. How awesome. Okay, who hasn't and seen Stark and the Hound is the most amazing uh, oh my God, uh, show my God. never who has, who hasn't seen? Okay, I don't want to I, I don't want to totally destroy it for you, but seriously. Okay, I'm going to give you a spoiler, but it's a spoiler. No. No, no, no. Game of Thrones spoilers are verboten. No, no, it's a spoiler no. that would make no. me happy. No. No. Done. No, seriously. Oh, no, I'm So, she, she, no. 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 Oh my god, we've got speakers in here. Alright, so <laughs> thank you for coming to the Zanderson. Most of our most of our podcasts are more drunk and more silly. But I do want to warn you that every once in a while we get into this because we care about this shit. We are women who are women and we can't help but notice that seriously in film there's some fucked up shit going on. There is. It's getting better though. 
It is, and that's the, the upside, but we have to keep fighting. We have to, you have to represent, and how you represent is you go and you pay your dollar. All right, thank you, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at XanaduCinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Thank you.